You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. Hello and welcome to The Conversation Caravan, young podcasters interviewing authors and visual storytellers at Scribblers Festival 2022. This is Lucy speaking with George Ivanoff, Melbourne author of over 100 books, including his You Choose, Choose Your Own Adventure series, The Gamers series and Survival Guides. In this episode, they explore his work, traumatising tourists, poo, why he's not a doctor but loves Doctor Who and chocolate, and more. I'm going to start asking you questions. Just answer truthfully. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds more like it's going to be an interrogation rather than an interview, but okay, I'll do my best. Yes, okay. Well, where do you like to write? Is it a specific place or does it change depending on where you are and the circumstances? Um, For the most part, I I have an office at at home that I share with my wife and mine's the darkened little corner Mm. that's kind of all enclosed by all sorts of weird stuff. And that's where I do most of my writing. But I will write wherever um, when I need to. So like when I'm travelling, like I'm here for this festival, I'll do writing in my hotel room. Yeah. But I've been known to write in cafes where there's a, a regular supply of coffee. Oh, yes. Because I, I do like my coffee and my chocolate. Um, and in a park while my kids are out on the playground or wherever, basically. Yeah, just kind of on the go. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. Yes. As a kid, did you like to read a lot? Ah, not at first. Um, I I spent a large chunk of primary school being a reluctant reader, one of those people who didn't like books. Um, But that changed in grade four. My school introduced uh, some sort of reading program. I can't remember exactly what it was, some sort of book club. And we were given a list of books and everyone had to read, you know, at least one book off that list and report back on it. And I randomly chose a book called... The Wonderful Flight to the Mushroom Planet by (laughs) Eleanor Cameron. And it's the first book I can remember reading on my own that I actually enjoyed. And it's it's kind of, I guess, at that point that I realised it wasn't reading I didn't like. It was the books I was being given to read that I didn't like. So I didn't, didn't like school readers, didn't like all that classic children's literature that my parents were buying for me. Turns out I liked science fiction. Mm, Science fiction is good. Mm. Mm. Are the main characters in your books based off of anyone? I I never put a real person in my stories, but I will take inspiration from real people. So I'll take a characteristic or two from a real person, throw that person out Mm -hmm. and create a character around those characteristics. I'm quite often myself. So I like a lot of my main characters are misfits in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And that's because I've spent most of my life being a bit of a misfit. Huh. Yeah. Okay. What do you do when you get writer's block? How do you jog your brain? Uh, interesting that you should say, how would you jog your brain? Because I used to go jogging as a way out of writer's block. Um, I can't now because I'm old. And I've got, like, a bulging disc in my back caused by all the jogging that I've done, uh, which means I can't jog anymore because I get a sore back, which sounds like a horribly old person thing to say. I don't worry. I get Um, sore backs and I'm, like, I'm 11. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Anyway, so nowadays I'll just... 
if if I've got the time, I'll step away from the computer and just do something else. Yeah, something kind of relaxing. Yeah, and if I don't have the time, if like I'm on deadline and I've got a word limit to me, then I'll just sit there and force myself to write any old stuff, even if that stuff is not very good. Yeah. Because then I can fix it later. Coffee and chocolate help mm. when I'm doing this. Lots of coffee and chocolate. Yes. Chocolate makes everything better. Yes, you should tell that to my mum and my um, dad. Uh, okay. Yeah. Lucy's mum and dad, chocolate makes everything better. Feed me lots of chocolate. Feed her lots of chocolate. Yes. And me too. Yeah. Feed us all chocolate. <laughs> 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 yes. Chocolate is the answer to everything. It is. Yes. All right. What are some tips for writing a truly great book? Oh, well, my, my normal writing tips are usually um, read lots and write lots. Um, read lots because that's how you learn about story. Mm. Uh, write lots because, like any skill, writing involves practice. The more you do, um, the better you'll get. So, you know, I look back at some of the stuff that I wrote years ago, back when I was collecting rejection letters from publishers, and, and I can look at it and go, hmm, yeah, I can see why no one wanted to publish this. <laughs> it wasn't very good. Yeah. But I could see the progression that each time I got a little better and a little better and a little better until I finally wrote something that wasn't too bad. Yeah, until um, you got to the point where you are now. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would say write as much as you can. Mm. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to write every day. Um, that doesn't fit into everybody's sh schedule. You write whenever you can um, and write as much as you can and, yeah, you will eventually get to that really good piece of writing. Yeah. What is your favourite poem? So, like, are you into poetry? Um, I, um, I am. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of modern poetry. I, I do like uh, a lot of the older stuff. Um I'm just trying to remember what it was. It's um, it's by William Blake. It's from the Auguries of Innocence, and uh, I can't remember the name of the actual piece. Um, but it's the one about um, to hold uh, a world in a grain of sand, ah, yes. and um, no, that's no, not a world. To see a world in a wildflower, hold eternity in the palm of your hand. Something, something yes. I, I am now completely misquoting, but I love that there, there's, there's four lines. Yeah, I love um, the lines. And I of that. love those four lines. Yes. They're, they're my all-time favourite piece of poetry. Yeah. Why? Why do you like it so much? Why? Why do? You, why is it your favourite? I because I love the whole idea of seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary. Yeah. Because the ordinary is extraordinary. Flowers are the most incredible things to if you stop. And look at them, and look at the detail, and and it's the same with everything. Uh, you know, a grain of sand. You don't think much of a grain of sand, but like a beach is just grains of sand. It's yes. just a, a a really large amount of them. Yes. So then, seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary, I think, is just wonderful, and yes. I and I try to do it as much as I can in my everyday life. Yeah, just exquisite. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, look. And, and Tech Person has just found the piece of poetry. All right. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. Ah, oh, yes. Love it. Absolutely wonderful I piece of poetry. I can see why you like it. It is very nice. All right. Who's your favourite author? What is your favourite book of theirs? 
Oh, that's really hard. Yes. Um, I don't know that I have one favourite author. Um, I can I can say that I've had different favourite authors at different points in my life. So when I was a little kid and my mum and my grandma used to read to me a lot, um, my, my, my favourite author would have been Dr Seuss oh, because yeah. I loved the rhyming. I loved the ridiculous yeah, imagery. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. F uh, Fox and Socks is my favourite yes. because I, I really enjoyed reading all those tongue twisters to my kids when they were little when we did a lot of Dr Seuss and I just Fox and Socks. It, it was my goal to try and get through the whole book without stumbling yes. over the time. I never actually made yeah, through the whole book without stumbling, but I, I enjoyed trying. It's very so that hard. that was when I was really little. Then then in in primary school it would have been um, the wonderful flight to the mushroom planet by yes. Eleanor Cameron, and the sequel Stowaway to the Mushroom Planet. Yes. Um, as a teenager, my favourite author was John Christopher, yes. who wrote the Tripods trilogy. Ooh. Um, which was turned into a TV series in the 1980s, which I loved as well. Um, so I'll have yeah, to watch def that. definitely um, John Christopher. Um, in later years, then I, it kind of went all over the place. Terence Dix is one of my favourite authors. He wrote a lot of Doctor Who stuff, and I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Yeah. Um, and not not only did he did he write an extraordinary amount of stuff, but um, his quality never wavered. And he's one of these authors who could use an economy of words to really get across uh, a picture. My all-time favourite opening sentence from any novel comes yeah. from one of his books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see if I can remember it. Um, Through the ruin of a city stalked the ruin of a man. I just, I adore that opening line. Yes. And it's um, uh, from Doctor Who and the Dalek Invasion of Earth, in case anyone is interested. It, it really paints a picture. Mm. Yes. Um, now, now as a, as a grown-up, there's lots of, lots of authors I love. I really, really love Carol Wilkinson, mm. who writes the Dragon Keeper novels. Yeah, they're good. Um, I, I, I adore those novels. I think they are the best dragon books ever written. Mm. And I, I just admire... Um, Carol's ability to put you in a place to make you feel like you are in ancient China with the uh, with the Dragon Keeper yes. books, but without a huge amount of over description or flowery writing. Her 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 writing is simple but not simplistic. Yes, and but it really paints the picture. You you feel like you're there, and and I I adore that in her as a writer. Like you can almost know, like you feel like you know the characters themselves. Yes, yes, yes. So I could go on and on, but I won't. I'm sure yes. you've got other questions. <laughs> How do you stay motivated while writing? How do you not just walk away from a book when you get bored? Well, I've got bills to pay, and if I don't finish, then I'm not going to get paid. That's a hugely motivating factor, let me tell you. It must be. Um, but there's also just just the thing that I, I need to get this story out of my head. I, I can't let it stay there because there are too many other stories in my head competing for space. Yes. <laughs> so if I get it out of there, it's kind of a relief yeah. to a certain extent. Um Gosh, that probably says something about me that's not great, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I understand. It's like your brain's going to explode if you have too much in there. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Well, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be a writer or did you want to be something else? No, it never occurred to me to be a writer. Um, I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Back then, we didn't have like authors coming to visit schools or anything like that. 
Authors were these kind of mystical, magical people that somehow produced books, and it never occurred to me that I could be one of them. So what did I want to be? When I was really little, I wanted to be a doctor. Yes. Because that's what my dad wanted me to be. Because my dad wanted to be a doctor but never had the opportunity. So that's what I wanted to be. And I realised that was a very, very foolish ambition once I realised that I cannot stand the sight of blood, especially my own. Oh. Um, so that just, like, went out the window really quickly. I'm yeah. so easily grossed out. I could never be a doctor. Oh, um, And then later in life, I set my sights on being a teacher. Um, mostly because, you know, in high school, in high school, you go see a careers counsellor who's yes. supposed to help you work out what it is you're going to do with your life. And I went to see my careers counsellor and she asked, well, what subjects do you like? And I said, I like history and I like English. She said, good, go be a teacher. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I, I went to university. I did a Bachelor of Arts and then I enrolled in a Diploma of Education to be a yeah. teacher. And then I spoke to some people who were teachers. And I very quickly chickened out. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't become a teacher. <laughs> so um, all my respect to the teachers out there, I am amazed by the job that you people have to do. And, and yeah, you just, yeah, it's, yeah, teachers are extraordinary. Very. Um, yeah, so I didn't become a teacher and I eventually got an office job and then I started selling writing. And then the moment I had the opportunity to ditch the office job and and do this for a living, I did. It seemed to work worked out very well. It, it did, yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you retire, do you still picture yourself writing? Yes. I don't actually picture myself retiring at all. Yeah. I picture myself slowing down. Um, but not stopping. But not stopping. Yeah. Okay. Uh how do you tell that an idea is good? How do you personally define good? Oh, that's an impossible question. Yes. I I don't know that I can personally define what is good. I can define what I like. I can tell you what I like, but I can't tell you if it's good or not, um, even more so with my own writing. Yeah. Because you just... I don't know how it is for other people, but I get kind of rather obsessive about my ideas yes. and, and my stories. So by the time I have finished writing them down, I have no idea whether it's any good or not. Yeah. So uh, an outside opinion really helps. Yeah. Um, so I, I never, ever send anything out to, to a publisher without my wife having read it first. Yeah, it has to be checked um, by someone other yeah. than yourself. Yeah, yeah. and, and she's, she's got a great attention to detail and she's very good at, you know, going through a story and going, well, you know, this bit's a bit boring and this bit's a bit confusing and um, this bit over here is crap. And so then I can go away and take that feedback on board and it kind of helps me. Edit you know, and make it yeah, better. Yeah, and yeah. then I'll send it to a publisher. And, of course, then there's the editor at the publishers who will do the same thing again. That yeah. bit's boring, that bit's confusing, that bit's crap. Yes. <laughs> I'll go and rewrite again. Yeah. There's a lot of rewriting in, yes. the, in the whole writing process, a lot of rewriting. Well, yeah, so... What inspired you to start writing Choose Your Own Adventure books? Did you read lots of them during your childhood? Uh, yes, I, I loved reading Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid. Um, the, the original series of Choose Your Own Adventures were around in the late 70s and early 80s. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I used to read them obsessively. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I 
have a slightly obsessive personality when I latch on to something. So, yeah, I, I read a lot of them and I thought they were extraordinary amounts of fun. I loved being put into the story. I, I loved the ability to make choices. And um, when I, you know, grew up and became an author, I thought, well, there was so much fun to read, they'd probably be fun to write. Yes. And, you know, that's pretty much why I started writing them. Yeah, you have, you've written them extremely well. I've read yours. They're very, very fun. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Your book, Survival Guides, what inspired you to start writing it? Was it another book or something else? Please describe it. Oh, okay. So the the initial um, inspiration, I guess, was the fact that I, I've written a lot of um, non-fiction books for the education market. Now, writing for the education market means that you basically get told what to write. You yes. know, they, they give you the requirements and you go off and write something. And I love researching and I love writing non-fiction, but I kind of got a little bit sick of the fact that I was writing all of these um, non-fiction books and I wasn't allowed to be fun. Yes. I just had to present the information. It had to be strictly educational. Yeah, I couldn't make jokes about it and and I kept getting all these restrictions and certain words I couldn't use. Like, you know, I couldn't use the word poo, for example. I, I wrote a series of educational books about nutrition, ah. <laughs> including fibre. And you know what fibre makes you yes. do? Yes. couldn't use the word poo. <laughs> I had to call it <clears throat> solid waste. Uh, so there were all these things that got me being really frustrated. And then I thought, you know, I'd really love to write some nonfiction where I got to write about anything I wanted using any words I wanted. Yes. And that was the initial inspiration. And I, I, I pitched it to my publisher saying, you know, how about I do some commercial nonfiction for kids? And they were like, oh, yeah oh, yeah, what are your ideas? And I went through and I pitched them some ideas and the Australia Survival Guide was the first one. And that came out of um, uh, tourists, you know, yeah. you know, the sort of tourists who come to our country yes. and then complain about how it's too dangerous to live here. Yes. Yeah, but they always kind of annoy me, those sort of tourists. All so. the snakes. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to write a book to traumatise some of those tourists. And that was... <laughs> that was basically the inspiration behind the first of the survival guides. And at that stage, it was just going to be the one book. Yeah. Um, but it did so well um, that my my publisher said, oh, I don't suppose you'd write, uh, you know, some more. And, and I was like, yeah, would I? Yes. <laughs> of course I would. You've written over 100 books, right? Mm -hmm. How do you stay motivated and, like, finish, finish them all? Like, 100 books is an amazing achievement. I could... I don't, yeah. Well, yeah, don't get, don't get overly excited by that number because that 100 books includes an awful lot of school readers. You know, like those itty-bitty little slim books that preppies get to take home with them to help them practice their reading. Yes. You know, some of those books are under 100 words. Wow. So, you know, that kind of inflates my numbers. If we're, if we're looking at full-size books out in bookshops, there's only about 35, 36, something like that. So. That's still a lot. Um, well, th thank you, yeah, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, that, that, that over 100 number gets quoted a lot, and, and, and I think it creates expectations in people that aren't actually there. <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm not that productive. I haven't got that many full-size books out there. Yes. Um, but in terms, of, uh, in terms of motivation, I mean, you know, uh, a part of it is just 
the simple excitement of having another book come out. I mean, it never gets old. No. Um, every time I get sent a pre-release copy, uh, you know, with my name on the front cover, it's like, oh, look, this book, and I did that book, and oh, it's so exciting. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, I love doing it. I think that's what it boils down to. I, I absolutely adore doing this. And uh, now that I've been, you know, doing it, full-time now for, what, 80 years, I can't, I just can't imagine myself going back to doing anything else. Yeah. This, this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Yeah, you have a job you like and you never work a day in your life. Yes. Yes, yes. indeed. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope you got some fun and some laughs out of it. Have a great day and I wish you well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scribblers Radio. Recorded on Noongabuja at the Conversation Caravan at Scribblers Festival 2022. For all the conversations, more info about the festival, or to be part of our next Conversation Caravan podcasting series, head to scribblersfestival.com.au. If you can hear me, shout yay. yay. <laughs>